right, everybody. Welcome back to your favorite podcast. Hopefully, five stars on iTunes and all the other ones. I am your host, Kave Associated Acts Teherian. <laughs> Someone just Googled themselves yeah. for the first time in a while. <laughs> I, I found this out a couple weeks ago. I was looking on Wikipedia. Apparently, there was an Associated Acts tab under Lindsay's <laughs> name, under her entry. Which, by the way, side note, it's since been taken down. Oh, no. I'm very sad about it. Why? But for a brief moment, <laughs> for a brief moment, I was on Wikipedia. It was the most exciting thing. Uh, I, was my, my page has been taken down? No, no, no. Like they, Somebody had put Associated Acts on the side of it, oh. on the page, and then they were like, I guess some editor was like, there's no way to upkeep this. Like, let's just there's take it no, down. There's no, you have no Associated no. Acts. There's still a blurb about musical splitting, thank God, and my name is on there. <laughs> oh, wow. But, but I'm not part of Associated Acts anymore. But for a minute, you know, I flew high to the sun and it was like very exciting. Anyway, that's my name. I'm here with my friend, Lindsay Ellis. I'm, I'm sorry, I just stepped yeah. on your line. Go ahead. No, Kaveh is Associated Acts. <laughs> former Associated Acts. And we are joined today, very special episode. Very special. Oh. With guys, uh, Angelina Meehan, my co-writer, co-editor, and co-basically everything. Yeah. Except for this, yeah. but like co-phantom. Yeah. Co-phantom. <laughs> I'm in a co-phantom, codependent relationship. It's true. It's, yeah. Codependent. It's been, the last, it's been the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So if Angie's here, you guys know what that means, uh, right? What does that mean, guys, if Angie's here <laughs> on the podcast? <laughs> Well, you know what they say about love. It uh, <laughs> never dies. Ooh, yeah. fan favorite. Love Never Dies is our episode today. Oh, People yeah. are so excited. <laughs> Boy. <laughs> well, it's great because unlike so many of the things that we do, you can just go find it. You can just go watch it. You can um, find it on like Broadway HD and a bunch of stuff. And uh, we can all enjoy this together. It's horrifyingly available. <laughs> <laughs> Like, maybe it's on too many streaming platforms. Like, <laughs> like, it's just a little too eager to get out there. So, yes, Phantom of the Opera, Love Never Dies, the sequel to Andrew Lloyd Webber's 1987 smash hit, the most successful musical of all time, depending on your metric, Phantom of the Opera. Uh, your favorite. Yeah. My favorite, yes. I, I've been getting all these Twitter uh, people have been adding at me. Adding. <laughs> Uh, the people have been mentioning to me that I'm going to basically like rip whatever hair I have left <laughs> out of my head out of anger. And I'm like, is <laughs> I don't, I honestly don't think you will because it's like, you know, when something is just like, it's like battlefield earth. How can, it, how can you be mad at this? It's just to transcend. Yeah. Like I, I was talking to Lindsay about this today, like just preemptively thinking about love never dies. And it, you know, as someone who actually does enjoy the original Andrew Lloyd Webber show, I have to say that Love Never Dies lives way more rent-free in my head than the original Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> we certainly get more, like, jokes out of yeah. it. Like, if you go to my w website, which is lindsayella.is, which is Iceland's uh, top-level <laughs> domain, um, <laughs> like, you get a, the first thing, like, uh, what, what, are the, what is it called? Because, like, NGM. Oh, Lightbox? Oh. They're called Lightboxes, like the little pop-ups that you get when you enter a website yeah. that are like, you must be 21 to like enter. Normally it'll be like, subscribe to my newsletter. Oh, yeah. right. And ours just says 10 years old. 10 years old. Don't worry, it will make sense. I, I was gonna say, was this this wasn't in Phantom, was it? That's the other no. thing that people kept fucking adding at me was like ten years old, over and over <laughs> and over again. 
<laughs> and I have no fucking idea what they're talking about. So many tagged tweets with 10 uh, years. Oh. This is going to be fun. It's going to be so great. I had like, no, I'm so lost. Oh I'm so my lost. God. And then everyone kept apologizing to me like, in advance. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that our fans are on the same page. Yeah. Like, they get it, like, 100%. Because <laughs> the first time I saw it, because I think we saw it at the exact same time, because they, they released it during a Fathom event, was the first time you could see it in the U.S. And this was, like, what, 2013, 2014? I thought you say 20 years ago, and I was like, yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, like, Something, 2013. 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I think it was just me and Lisa, because uh, Todd had not actually seen it, which I found out during, um, when, when they streamed it a few weeks ago. But um, it was mostly empty theater, but there were, like, these two queens behind us that were just, like, you know, New York gay theater snobs. You know, the type of people that go to Marie's Crisis in New York and just, like, make everyone shut up so they can sing, like, On My Own from Les Mis. Um, (laughs) They were really mad at us laughing at (laughs) Love Never. They were so mad. Yeah, so my first Love Never Dies experience was at the same time as Lindsay's, and I saw it in a stadium style theater and it was just me in the very back row and then like <laughs> three 50 year old women like in that <laughs> and like I normally don't text during a movie but like I was just like you, you can't not like <laughs> it had had its like run in London already like a year earlier and all the bad things about it had been you know talked about and talked about but like seeing it was just like a next level experience I was so sad that it, I was alone, but I've seen Love Never Die so many times since then. It's true. And I, I, <laughs> like most of them with me. Most of them with Although you. we haven't seen it live together. No. Although I guess we, we yeah, because we have seeing it live stories and we haven't even gotten to the staff Yeah, yet. yeah, yeah. Uh, seeing it, <laughs> yeah, seeing it live is my favorite story, but I'll, I'll wait, I'll save yeah. it. That yes, that's a good. One. That's a good yeah. one. But this was the one where I'm like, I don't. This is the one where I'm like, I don't feel like I can ethically subject you to seeing it live, because your because sec- your secondhand cringe, I think, would be just genuine. <laughs> like I think it would hurt you, and I do care about you enough to. <laughs> that's the first time this has happened, by the way. Or I was like, because they are doing a world tour next year. Oh fuck! Oh my god! I'm so oh. hyped. I'm so hyped. I know. Wait, so all the times you guys have seen it has mostly been like the videos? Yeah. yeah. It's been like some, okay. we're super, you know, ripped. It's 2 a.m. Someone's like, why not put on Love Never Dies? And like, you're just like out of it enough to be like, yes. 10. Okay. So it's <laughs> so. a special place in your heart. In yes, that it's sense. very special yeah. to both of us. So it's not so sacred that you have to keep going to see it in the theater. Um. <laughs> That's usually the thing with your other musicals. I mean,. I, I would I would say it's worth seeing live, but not because it's sacred. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Woo. All right. Should I get into the stats? Yeah, stats time. Okay. So, love never dies. Music by Andrew Lloyd Webber. <laughs> lyrics by Glenn Slater. Book by Ben Elton and Frederick Forsyth. Winner of zero Tonys, including best musical. <laughs> Uh, the show is so bad that it actually never made it to Broadway. How sad and surprising. <laughs> made it everywhere yeah. else. Made it everywhere else except Broadway. They keep trying to make Fetch happen. Like they keep <laughs> they keep workshopping it and they keep trying to make it happen. It's like one of these like really expensive looking shows. It's just <laughs> this it's like the Spider-Man turn off the dark that actually goes on tour. Oh. <laughs> uh, one day. Based on the novel Phantom of The Phantom of Manhattan by Frederick Forsyth. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Lindsay and Angie will have to explain the whole thing because it is absolutely coconut. <laughs> Those were my notes because that's, I'm like, I can't write this down. Yes. Okay, so 
we're, I guess we're just going to have begin to, at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're going to have to do this from memory too. So it's going to be extra funny and half wrong. But so the Phantom of Manhattan was a novel commissioned by Andrew Lloyd Webber um, to Frederick Forsyth, who is a um, he's an established thriller mystery writer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's a mystery writer, very successful in the seventies and eighties, yeah. like you know, ba- baby step below Danielle Steele. And so he goes to Frederick Forsyth and he's like, I want a Phantom sequel that I can turn into a musical because this is like just such a success. And I want you to include like this, 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 and this. And, you know, these are the elements that I want you to include in your right. novel. And Frederick... <laughs> it's like Arrested Development. They go, Make the old guy young, CG with a fish. Let's fast track this one. <laughs> <laughs> so Frederick Forsyth goes okay, and I should know. Like, have you read the novel? I have read the Hatton? novel. Yeah, it is stunningly racist. It is like Ooh. kind of a shame that they cut out the Persian characters. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's Persians in that one too. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Well, okay. You you explain that one because you probably remember better than it's, I do. It's debatably worse than Love Never Dies. What Love Never Dies turns out to be, I will say that, which is an incredibly low bar once you see it. But yeah. So basically, like. <laughs> It's set ten years after after the fact, and uh, the Phantom Eric goes over to New York, and he starts working in a freak show, dressing up as like a clown type thing. He's <laughs> just trying to like forget his past. Yeah, he's trying to move on. Okay, <laughs> you know, he's like he's like I'm gonna wear freak makeup because before like the half mask it's was like, like it's, too it's, much. It's exposure therapy essentially. Sure. Okay. All right. I can see that. And along the way, he gets like swept up in like real actual historical figures like Oscar Hammerstein the first who is Oscar Hammerstein the second's father um he ends up kind of working his way up the the chain of business command in New York City and like he worships Baphomet right like like some sort of cult. he worships Baphomet some yeah. sort of cult oh, like shit. some like sort of Illuminati cult style. Yeah. yeah yeah exactly there's like some sort Fuck of yeah yeah <laughs> Way to bury the lead, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like money cult gods. And then anyway, Christine and Ral come over to the United States for Christine to perform. And like Ral's a drunk alcoholic and he gets his dick shot off. Well, now we're getting into spoiler territory. Oh, spoiler alert. But there's a character in the book named Darius who is not in Love Never Dies, sadly. That is like his Typical. his gold worship enabler because he also worships this, was it like, what's his oh, name, Mamun? Yeah, Mamun, like, yeah. The, I said yeah, Mamun, yeah. the god of gold or something. Yeah, so he's obsessed <laughs> with wealth now. That's his, that's his new um, vibe. And he uh, has this servant slash enabler named Darius that is like encouraging him to worship the evil gold god. What, what is with the Persian angle? <laughs> What's this fixation on it? Did he get like burned by somebody like at some point like fifty years ago? I mean, kind of. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> that's I guess yeah. That's all. It. He's a very successful businessman and entrepreneur, basically. Like yeah. So um, when Phantom of Manhattan came out. Andrew Lloyd Webber looked at what he had asked for and went, oh, (laughs) I guess I guess that is what I asked for, isn't it? I guess you gave me all the elements. How much cocaine was he doing when he asked him for that draft? Uh, It's like dead dove. Don't open. (laughs) Exactly. So... I don't know what I, I expected, know, yeah. Like 10 years pass and he like revisits it and at this point I don't know he's old he's starting like his his the brain cheese is starting to set in and he's like maybe we can do this actually. Oh. <laughs> or maybe I should do this cuz yeah. I don't have anything else on my plate right now. Okay, so it became infamous even before it's released because Weber had written it on a clavinova. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's a it's an electric piano. 
Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I thought that was, it sounded like some old like word processing computer or something. Yeah, he had written it on this clavinova, and uh, so like the score was like stored in this electric piano. And then I I remember like the day that news story broke on Live Journal, it was just like his cat, <laughs> his cat had like jumped on it and deleted the scores. <laughs> this is why you don't own cats. <laughs> <laughs> don't own cats. Yeah. What the fuck? Why would you tell people that? Why wouldn't you just say like it burnt out? Like you can't. Oh, my kitty burned it. I'm sorry. Oh, was it somebody from Cats that showed up? It was like a metaphorical cat. Yeah. I have to wonder how much of that is like true, like, and how much of it is like, oh, my dog ate my homework when like people were yeah, asking. That's what I'm saying. Why would you tell people? Or was there some hard hitting reporter that like went and like got the scoop? <laughs> I need like, the Interviewed answers. everybody in his house and actually got to the bottom of it. Well, the mysterious thing about it was like the cat died shortly thereafter too. It was, like, a, oh, it was like a young cat too. It was not in its final. Yeah, it was thing. a kitten. Mm. So there's yeah, like the mysteriously price. disappeared. There's a conspiracy Wrong. around this show from the get go. Um, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Back things up on the cloud, Andrew. Yeah. I, so it was deleted. Um, that cat sacrificed its life for the better of humanity. <laughs> Trying to save us. It was from the future. This hero cat. Yeah, it was a time-traveling cat trying to save us from what it knew was happening. But it failed. It failed. Because Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, no. I I'm, remember all of it. I remember all of it. He did a reverse American Idiot, where instead of like... <laughs> Instead of scrapping the album that he knew was a bad idea, he doubled down. And I feel like I say this every episode, but that would be a great musical about the cat <laughs> that's time traveling to try and stop Love Never Dies from getting made. Yeah. Like, can you imagine the timeline we'd be living in if that cat had succeeded? <laughs> Fucking A. I think we would be poorer for it because then we wouldn't be here right now. That's I would true. not be wearing, you wouldn't be wearing that shirt. Bootleg shirt. Yeah. Who would I be, you know, without this show? <laughs> I think a lot of it was also like, in all earnesty, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber hadn't really had an original hit show in a while and was kind of like, you know, leaning in on producing reality singing competitions in the UK and mm. the 2004 movie hadn't humbled him enough. So I guess he was just like, we need to revisit my masterwork, my self-insert fan fiction again. Uh, and I'm going to milk that cow and boy, the milk you get out of this is <laughs> the sweetest, sweet, sweet, you know, it's just milk. like, it really is up there with like the room battlefield earth. Just yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like uh, baffling. It's just a talking a baffling cat. piece of art. Yeah. Tommy was <laughs> a talking cat. <laughs> anyway, so it premiered in the West End in 2010, but Weber closed it after a few days due to poor critical response. This would happen many times during many productions. They workshop it, premiere it, and then close it to workshop it again. But I assume that they workshopped it and then brought it back out again. I mean, they keep doing it. Yeah. They, they keep they keep trying. Because the version we're going to watch is not the version that premiered in the West End. It is kind of like a final draft. Like They're like, you know what? This is good enough. It's not going to get better. <laughs> um, Fuck it. Yeah, I, oh man, what what were elements? It's kind of like Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark where there was like some weird shit that got cut out. The original was definitely like weirder, for sure. The Phantom takes a lot more of the back seat in the original version of this and the show, like, I guess realized like, wait, but they like the Phantom, so more Phantom. Um, yeah. Because in the, the first, like, the first version of this, he doesn't show up until like halfway through like the first act, at least. It's like a very like Madame Giri sideshow freak heavy version of it. Yeah, and you can you can kind of tell that they like wrote him 
into the first half, like forced it weirdly. Like there's a song that was obviously meant to be the music of the night that uh, should have logically been like halfway through the first act and instead is at the front <laughs> where it's just like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> Just singing about some lost love that he, okay, sure. Yeah, it's very much like, I heard you like phantoms in your phantom, so I put a phantom in your phantom. <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit is the narrator. <laughs> it's very jarring when you when you watch this version, you're like, oh, okay. like, And it's also, sadly, like one of the better songs in the show, too. So it's yeah. like they shoot their I mean, shot. They're, they're like trying to put it at the front where you see, it's not that bad. And then it's just all, down, all, all downhill from here. Where do you guys place uh, Love Never Dies in the sort of the Hall of Fame? Of what? I mean, oh, it's musicals. very memorable. <laughs> is it? It's, oh, it sounds like it's its own thing. Almost. Uh, yeah, it is the David S. Pumpkins of musicals. It is its own thing. <laughs> I will say, in the hall of things that are memorable, it ranks very high. It is <laughs> it's baffling. Like that's the only word I can choose because, like, <laughs> the decisions that are made, especially towards the end, yeah, are just. It, it feels like someone suggested it. And as a joke, and then they just ran with it. The yes, anded it. Yeah. Yes, yes. yes, it one hundred percent feels like improv, like the plot. The, the plot elements. Yeah, it really feels like they improv an ending because they didn't know how to end it. Look out, she's got a gun. Yeah. <laughs> it it gets so buck wild, and there's like such like, like there are so many red herrings in the show that I can't tell if they were intentionally oh. red herrings or just bad oh, writing. Yeah. Imagine red herrings in a musical. Yeah. Like good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any scenes of 35 people reading a letter at the same time? <laughs> actually, actually, kind of. Kind of. of. No! <laughs> yes. There is one scene where they all like get together again and they're like, you. Uh, and they are definitely 5,000 people talking at the same time. It's like the I'm kids are all back attack. at camp again. Like, <laughs> I'm going to pop some Xanax before I watch that scene. <laughs> My teeth. <laughs> The best thing about it to me is like however many like crazy curveballs slash red herrings are in the show, like none of these characters really spend any time with each other in like it's just like a bunch of vignettes to me. Just mm. loosely strung together. Like Yeah, it reminds me a little bit of the unedited The King and I, where um everybody's singing about each other, but they yeah. don't have yes. very many scenes, scenes together. together. Yeah, okay. yeah. Although the scenes they do have <laughs> together. <laughs> it is like again. Baffling. Like I'm not gonna spoil it. If you like you, the listener, if you I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know what's coming. Oh the eight minute dirt. <laughs> it's called Beneath a Moonless Sky. Beneath the Moonless Sky. The moonless sky. That was like That sounds romantic. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, romantic. <laughs> sure does. That was where the musical for me went from bad to like like galaxy brain like changing. <laughs> Yeah, I like, obsess. I like obsess over this thing. Yeah, like, like it, it. It is just like from where it goes from bad to like I'm gonna watch this every year for the rest of my life. Yeah, at least once. Just because it's such a train wreck. It yes, is just, just just a baffling train wreck. Like, but anyway, but um, it gets top you, though. Uh, like that train wreck gets topped by another train wreck that like where it tries to sing the song in in the yeah. musical. Okay. Yeah, it's just like train wreck after train wreck of just baffling, baffling decisions. Um. But anyway, uh, would, would you like to go first with your Love Never Dies live <laughs> So I saw Love Never Dies for free because I have a friend who does audiovisual descriptions at the theater that hosts touring productions here in Philly. And um, I thought you were going to say because no one was charging because no they were like, please, for fuck's sh- sake, Nobody was coming into this. <laughs> <And, like, laughs> They're my, giving it away. My friend usually offers me tickets first, but like 
she, because she gets free tickets, and but she like called me and was like, Love Never Dies is coming and I have free tickets. I know you want these. And so I took one of my best friends with me and I was super pregnant at the time. So my daughter has lived through Love Never Dies and I am worried. <laughs> it's in her, it's fused into her I DNA. I am very worried about what she's going to come out like. But so we saw it and it was, no. it was it's a, like when they play classical music on the belly and it's supposed to make them smarter. <laughs> like this is going to be the opposite. Yeah, it's going to make her just yeah. like make really questionable yeah. decisions. <laughs> I saw it to like a pretty, pretty like packed house and it was filled with you could tell like wine moms who were there to, you know, watch wine watch moms. the Phantom get his groove back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the people who were sitting in front of me, it was a younger couple and uh, of a young woman and a younger guy. And he was like total South Jersey coming into Philly for a romantic night with his partner. And uh, nice. y- you get used to seeing those people all the time. Like you see them in Les Mis and they get bored and they're just like reading the program viciously. But this guy, like... <laughs> Lower and lower into his chair as the night was going on. Just like by the time the oh. show was over, he was just kind of like in his seat, like melted, like, yes, honey. <laughs> like, like a lot of the people left after the first act, which is a shame because they missed some of the most fun parts. And then when it ended, all the wine moms were leaving and one of them was like, hey, well, what did you think? Did you like it? And the other wine mom goes, I don't. No. <laughs> it just made you think is what it was. It's like one of those where like it's gonna take me a couple days yeah. to process. It's yeah. so heavy. We live in a society. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where like the major plot element is like you could write this it's it's like half the bad fanfiction on Phantom of the Opera or fanfiction.net have like this plot. Like yeah. the plot elements yeah, are like true. Super... Like especially like to me the funniest thing that it has, because uh, you mentioned is like Raul the alcoholic is just one of the dumbest, worst fanfic tropes that has just never gone away. And they wrote it in, which is just like, again, baffling to me, where they would just take like this terrible nonsense fanfic trope that makes no sense and just write it in to make Raul look like the bad option here. Yeah, uh, like she made... Where does that come from? The wrong... You know? I... I feel like it's a romance novel cliche, and like there's a lot yeah, of overlap. Yeah, we have to make the the third wheel look like an obvious bad yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's like the Duke and Moulin Rouge or Billy Zane and like, Titanic. Sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like sure the Phantom, uh, you know, kidnaps and murders, yeah. but at least he doesn't drink. <laughs> at least he's not an alcoholic. <laughs> when you get to Ralph's kind of like I guess big number, which again I won't spoil, but like it makes him weirdly more sympathetic than anybody else in this show too. Like it's just, yeah, it's he's just, like this oh. tragic character, but it's not meant to be tragic. It's okay. meant to be like, look at this fucking guy. Look at this dude. It's, it's yeah. nuts. Yeah. I think that's the weird thing about this is it feels like professionals didn't write it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like Ben Elton, who is, has a, very long career writing place for the West End. I don't necessarily like them, but, you know, <laughs> maybe it makes sense that he fell into that. Um, but, yeah, like, people wrote this, which is baffling. Um, and not, like, no offense to 13-year-old girls, but not a 13-year-old girl wrote this. Um, yeah. Uh, but Because y- you can literally see them going, like, I think this is what they want. Like, this is this is what Phantom of the Opera fans want, right? Like, these, this is the plot turn you wanted, right? And it's just, like, it's sad. Like, yeah, <laughs> no. like and you're just like, no, no, nobody asked for this. Great. I don't want to so spoil Andrew it. Andrew Weber asked for this. Yeah, it's yeah. true. But I saw it at the uh, Costa Mesa um, <laughs> Performance Arts Center a couple, two or three years say, ago. You see, oh, it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, okay. back when it was like on, do, I think it was the same tour. Yeah. Yeah, it would yeah, have had to be the same, same tour. tour. Um, and I saw it with, again, good friend of the family, Jenny Nicholson. <laughs> Anna. Anna. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I hear when I hear Jenny. So, like, the only thing you know about her <laughs> is Anna! She Anna shames. It can be read either way, Anna, Anna, right? 
Yeah, but it's no. not. Okay. Um, so uh, it was one of those experiences like where you're watching it and like, you know, it is very flashy. It's a very expensive looking musical. So like yeah. at first all the wine moms, and again, it was all wine moms, <laughs> are just like, you know, they're playing along. They're like doing the applause. But over the course of the evening, like the the energy just kind of got sucked from the room. A lot of people left at intermission. And then as you're leaving, um, you I see a, tickets to these things and they're just like, they're, they're like brought, expensive. Yeah, they're yeah. like, our, we were like in the very last row and they were like 40 bucks. So and people were like, fuck it. I don't care. I'd rather not like spend the rest of my time here and just eat the $20. Basically. That sucks. I mean, these are like rich Orange County fuckers. I so like, they don't they care. Know. It's like they're, you know, set money on fire. Yeah. But like. I just remember, like, as the, as we were leaving, seeing all these, like, you know, wine moms dressed in their, like, Sunday best, like, yeah. you know, Ooh, we're going to the theater, you know, like, they, you know, and <laughs> just, and just looking very disappointed, just kind of like they just, you know, seen the killing fields of Cambodia. <laughs> like, that is exactly just like, what that, like, what that expression was like. Yeah, it's just, just, just like, just, just like, and so Jenny and I, uh, we're in the same car. And uh, so we were in the parking garage walking to our car and um, we see this dude that I assume is there for every like tour. He's selling bootleg merchandise. Yeah, yeah. And I had already spent $80 on an official <laughs> Phantom of the Opera Love Never Dies hoodie. Which we have, I've seen you wear. Yeah, I yeah. think we did that when we recorded Phantom. Yeah, we? it says the Phantom Returns <laughs> yeah. on it. Um, and so uh, I was already kind of set and, but, and I just we just see this guy and we were like, five dollars and he's like 10 and i'm like sorry dude i only have ten dollars uh and we need to so we walked so we walked onto the car and you know you're like doing a little rigmarole trying to get out of the garage and then we turn around as we were like you know close to the exit and there's this guy like running like a looney tune with all of his like bootleg merchandise as the like the security is like chasing him down and like making him leave. And like we rolled the window down and I was like, five dollars. He's like, okay. okay. <laughs> and that is how I got the best shirt on earth. That Beautiful. is a good bootleg. Yeah. And it doesn't look bootleg at all. And it says on the back, just best musical. <laughs> no I mean, context. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> best musical. Best musical. Best well, musical. one time I, okay, I was, did I did like a podcast for some, I don't know, legit thing or something because they rented a studio for me and I had to go to like uh, Torrance to like this guy's little office. Fancy. And um, the dude who did the recording started asking me about it. He's like, oh, best musical. Tell me about it. I was like, no. Like, oh, no. no. Oh, I forget. I forget why. I think I was like heading up to the Pantages for something. Uh, maybe it was Maybe it was frozen. I don't yeah. remember. But like, uh, yeah, it's it, it's a risk wearing this in public because people are going to ask questions. <laughs> you better be ready. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't a matter of speaking. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of funny when you go into like phantom reddits that are like gently trying to tiptoe around the fact that there are people that like this yeah, musical. Like, it, it definitely does have like an earnest fan base, which, you know, somebody for everybody. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's I can tell you things. Phantom got his groove back. Yeah. Some, there is a demand for that. I still don't know how, like, how people earnestly like it. I love it, but for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> um, I think in a way we love it more than the original. You know, we certainly I, reference it I, more. I, I, I'd be inclined to agree with that. Like I said, this lives way more rent free in my head than the original does. Like I, I quote this. I, I will like regularly find myself sitting at my desk doing work, and then I'll just think like of a line from it, and then I'll just like start 
dissolving into tears of laughter. And like, I can get my husband to watch it anytime because it's that ridiculous. Yeah, like, he's like, he's a fan of trash. Like, he's a trash connoisseur. And this is like, he's not, he's not really here for Phantom of the Opera. No, but like, no. if you put Love Never Dies on, he's there. Yeah. <laughs> he's so there. It's if it, you treat it like a comedy, basically, it's mm-hmm. like, it's enjoyable. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Um, okay. I'm gonna approach it like a comedy. The only good, the only good movie. That's the tagline for it. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Were we planning on seeing this? Was this in the this was in the schedule, right? Yeah. Before everything happened. Yeah. When were, where were we gonna see? Did right we have- now, because this was so. Uh, I guess I can talk a little bit about um, the scheduling that was and the scheduling that will be, because. Um, we were originally, because this is not terribly dissimilar from our original plan, which mm-hmm. was centered around VidCon 2020, which I don't <laughs> know if you know this, but got canceled, and we're all very sad about that. Um, and so for this one, we were going to use VidCon's very nice little podcasting right, right, right. studio and mm-hmm. record it there and watch it there. But also, uh, I guess this is for the next episode... The other thing we were going to do is, uh, so my friend Hank Green, uh, I forget why, but he he texted me and he's like, hey, I want to do your podcast. And I was like, really? <laughs> okay. Um, did you know that Hamilton is going to be at the Pantages during VidCon? And he's like, I actually haven't seen Hamilton. And mm. so um, that was going to be the episode after this one. Yep. Mm. We were going to have Hamilton. <laughs> we were going to see it at the Pantages with Hank with Green. Hank. But but yes. but the addendum to that is I because like the the main reason I didn't want to watch the Disney Plus version was because I was just so upset about this year yeah. and everything. And like I bought those Hamilton tickets like nine months in advance, yeah. and they canceled it on the day. Like they like I literally had. Tickets for March 13th, which was the day the stay-at-home orders came down. I was so upset. But, you know, for reasons, it was a good thing that that happened because (laughs) it turns out one of our party was COVID positive. Oh! Yeah, it it was really upsetting, and I was just like, I don't think I can... I I just don't want to do the Disney Plus version. And... But then I watched it and, you know, we had so many requests for it, and so my heart softened a little bit, and so I reached out to Hank, and I was like, do you still want to do this? And he's like, yeah. So... So Anything. that will be the next episode. <laughs> Fine, motherfuckers. You got me. I'll, we'll do Hamilton. We'll do it. Fine. <laughs> we'll sandwich it in. So the next few Tuesdays are going to be a big deal. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be. This is going to be bigger than your book, though. Yeah. I think people on Twitter are going to be more excited about this specific podcast <laughs> of Love Never Dies. That, but unironically. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> people don't it's read. It's going to affect them in their heart. Right? People don't read. Fuck reading. <laughs> we want to we wanna ironically watch yeah. bad musicals. I had people, like, just reach out to me when they found out that we were like that this episode is finally coming that they were just like so excited about like just people who had never talked to me and they were like I can't wait and I was just like you know what (laughs) this is why I do the job (laughs) Uh, but we're gonna go watch the thing Mm -hmm. and then come back from the thing and talk about the thing I expect to see a few more gray hairs uh, (laughs) an inability to form a sentence coherently like I mean that's already that's 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 how it started but yes that's you know a, that's like that, his, his appeal. That's a feature, not a bug. <laughs> that that sequence at the end of 2001: A Space Odyssey, where like colors start like blurring all together. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited to see how angry I get about this. <laughs> 
<laughs> you're gonna get so angry. or happy i don't know <laughs> I, I, yeah. I, I might transcend like i just like you were just saying i might just yeah. think it's funny and then just like totally... i guess i feel like what are your feelings on battlefield earth i feel like that is a pretty good i movie. was really angry in the theater watching oh, really? it yeah because i was so confused as to what i was watching but i if someone had given me a primer about like this is what it is mm. Then I might not have been so angry. But How do you I was feel just, uh, about Dutch angles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> uh, Surprise, there are Dutch angles in the show. <laughs> uh, I love Battlefielders, but I, I, I like Oscar the Grouch, love trash. Yeah. So <laughs> enjoy our ad read, yes. and then we'll be back for the best musical. <laughs> the best musical. Best musical. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles. You can also get access to our streaming service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators, not by destroyers. I'm looking at you, Godzilla. Where CuriosityStream is all about big-budget nonfiction videos, we are building Nebula because we want a place for smaller, independent, education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original content from creators like CGP Grey, Kersekzog, and that Lindsay Ellis person I keep hearing about. With the support of CuriosityStream, she's putting up a new Nebula exclusive about Blazing Saddles. And who knows? Maybe yours truly will even show up in one of these videos someday. You're going to have to wait and see, though. So, get CuriosityStream plus our streaming service Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $19.99 for a full year by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. And now, back to the show. And we are back from the lovely, lovely ad read to, for fuck's sake, talk more about the fucking <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, you watched Diabolical well, that was, I've never done. That was delightful. Like, you can't... I, I don't think I've ever seen you have that much fun. <laughs> I think it's his one thing. I had a live audience uh, while we were watching it, so that was a good yeah, time. Yeah, I think this was, like, the one thing... The one time you were allowed to, like, talk over it and yeah. weren't forced to, like, be quiet and pay attention like a child in church. Yes. So, <laughs> Which is how everything is for me. It's very hard. Usually I'll have to stop and rewind stuff because I'll just talk out loud and I have no filter. As I'm doing right now, I'll just keep talking. That's why we pay you the big money. Anyway. <laughs> I'm so rich. <laughs> oh, man. If you can get rich from watching Love Never Dies, I'm sorry, Lindsay. I'd be gone. I'm like, look, it was great working with you. Yeah. <laughs> Just be like, well, you know what? I'll see you. Is it I'll worth write. it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll write for my Love Never Dies island um, um, yeah. that I bought with my Love Never Dies money. <laughs> so Love Never Dies. What did you? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Love Never Dies, but you know who does? Yeah. Everyone? Uh, Christine. Christine. <laughs> I was so sad. That the Phantom didn't die at the end of it. I was screaming at the television, especially when, what's his name, Gustav, his son, because they set it up where he's like on the ledge. And I'm like, please just push him off. Please just kill somebody, him. Somebody. Yeah. Somebody go off that ledge. Nobody died. I think I went off that ledge metaphorically at the end of the actual musical. But Yeah, you're actually, um, after the first act, you die and you don't realize that you're dead and that hell is watching. <laughs> We're all dead. This My yeah. spirit has left my body and that's just me being like infuriated and enraged about it. Although I have to yeah. say, and Sarah texted me and she was like, how was it after you watch it? And I was like, you know, 
it's terrible, obviously. And I was like, but I hated Phantom of the Opera. So to me, it was just sort of a worse version of something that was already bad. So, <laughs> in, so in a way, it wasn't as bad as I, as you guys probably, I didn't perceive it to be as terrible as you guys did because I was already going in with an expectation of it being terrible, if that makes sense. Like the decisions that were made are just so bonkers whenever you take a step back and th- like talk about the fact that in Act One, there is about an eight-minute song oh. where they sing about how they fuck one. <laughs> and I kissed you and caressed you, and the world around us fell away. Ten years ago, and when you just state that, like with your words, that is like that alone is so much more absurd than anything that happens in the first one. It's just like the plot points even divorced from like the aesthetic or the music are just ridiculous i mean while your son's in the next room like waiting for you to come in to kiss yeah. him goodnight by the way <laughs> like, like gustav is in the next yeah. room like hearing like <laughs> which is which is worse here like walking in on your parents having sex or walking in on your parents singing about having sex oh that's a good one i don't know for sure okay so let's let's describe the plot of love never dies is there or, is that possible is there a plot <laughs> plot is a strong word but, uh, so <laughs> love never dies begins well it says 10 years later ten even though, like, years so okay so the movie takes place in 1871. The musical, it was something like 1881. Yeah, the musical okay. was originally 1881. I think they've like messed with it over the last several years to like have yeah, brand so, solidarity. So the MC, or sorry, the fans will see you. So it takes place in 1905 on Coney Island. And it begins with... Um, The music of the night, I guess. The big power ballad that they very obviously intended to be later in the show, but clumsily bumped up to the front. Um, and then, and then we meet the Phantom's freaks because he has he has a he has an emotional support network now. Yeah, Um, it's like Alan Cumming, Uncle Fester, (laughs) and uh, the little. The little, uh, little Harley woman. Quinn. He's like, you know what? Let's give this another go. I think, I think this time, this time it's going to work out. Yeah. So he sneakily lures Christine back to uh, his new digs on Coney Island, which is like a freak show slash opera house. I guess we can get into it later, but it's like he writes vaudeville music now. Like, yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. a vaudeville music hall. By yeah, way it's like a vaudeville Coney music Island. hall that... He paid Christine a bunch of money to make it classy. You know what I thought, too, when we were watching it? And I said this to you, Lindsay, a little bit. I was like, aesthetically, just the way it looks, it looks like Terry Gilliam doing Vegas, which also kind of like <laughs> lines up with the plot, right? It's like Christine is like doing her whatever, like worldwide yeah, musical thing, and now she's doing her Vegas run. I think that's sort of what the plot is. It's like they're giving her a shit ton of money. It's Britney. They're like, come do 50 weeks of performances or Celine Dion. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's Britney's uh, residency. <laughs> um, like the other the other thing we drew the comparison to was uh, like the aesthetic was very Tim Burton. Yeah. It was very early 90s Batman Returns. So it's different. Like in the other, that's another thing. Like, it looks visually different. It looks the better. First one. And yeah, it looks a lot better. And the costumes are just of a much higher quality. Like it just, it looks nicer. Like uh, the outfits just look a lot nicer. Um, and the lighting too is the uh, other thing we talked about. Oh yeah. They're, it's lit yeah, so much it's like, better. Obviously a lot of talent and effort went into this. The technical, which makes it all the yeah. More tragic. The technical yeah. parts of it are much better. Yeah. Except for the technical aspects of the storytelling. <laughs> 
everything looks like new and shiny and just like doing like throwing as much crap on it as they can to like kind of salvage. Yeah, <laughs> like, let's let's polish <laughs> this turd. <laughs> Look at all these freaks. Yeah. Th- th- throw in <laughs> freaks on a turd. So he invites her for her Las Vegas residency, and um, her her husband Raúl, uh, like in all the fanfics, is an alcoholic now and an abusive alcoholic. And he hates his his son, Gustav, who is also here and is 10 years old. <laughs> yeah. He's also gambled away all the fortune. Yeah. So that's why they need the money. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so she's drained him. Yeah. So Raul yeah, he's is, drained her. Sorry. Yeah. So Raul is the bad choice now. She's like hanging out in her dressing room. Raul and Gustav, are, they leave the room for some reason. And then the big reveal. <laughs> da, 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 da. So he he marches on in. She faints as you do, and then comes to about like thirty seconds later. <laughs> um, and they kind of have this discussion about like, you know what? You had your chance. I yes, yeah. the musical ended when it ended, but then there was a there was a deleted scene that happened yeah. after it was over, where I came back and was like, never mind. <laughs> it was a straight I, up you up text, like on her yeah. wedding night, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After that high high drama of the last one, she immediately turns around and is like, I could still go to Pound Town. Like, oh. <laughs> and she oh. does. So, ah, chef's kiss. Oh. <laughs> they go to Pound City. So, so one time, one time, yeah, one time. It only takes one time, kids. <laughs> so then they they recount their night of passion in a song called "Beneath a Moonless Sky." And I touch you, and I kiss you, and I touch you, and caress you. Which makes even less sense than it sounds like. Where's because like where were you? Were you in the basement? Were you on the <laughs> roof? Like, are you in the middle of Paris? I'm imagining like all these city sounds, like. Yeah. Cars outside. (laughs) Everyone's like, way to go, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so then the kid comes back and the Phantom's like, all right, so you're going to do your residency, right? She's like, no. And he's like, well, be, you know, it's a nice kid you got there. It'd be a shame if anything (laughs) happened to him. And she's like, oh, no. (laughs) He pulls like a full Michael Jackson and like dangles the kid. Yeah, it gets really inappropriate. And he's like, I'll show your kid around Coney Island. (laughs) Sometimes they just disappear. I don't know. Uh, She like is like, okay, fine. And then she looks at the music and then just looking at it is overcome with the genius of it. Yeah. Straight Amadeus at that scene <laughs> yeah, just, where she's like, ugh. oh, just drops all the notes on the floor. Like it was as if he was just taking <laughs> yeah. dictation. Yeah. <laughs> she's the weird Sally area. Yeah. Um, so then we, we catch back up with Meg and uh, Madame Giri, who are here also. For some reason. For some reason, they some- followed the phantom across the lake. And Meg hoard herself out for him so he'd get money. He doesn't know about it though. That's the weird part. And and Madame Giri, like I don't know, was the manager or whatever. Like I don't. I'm, I'm assuming that madam. she like. Yeah, she. I don't, I don't know. I'm assuming she got like nailed for embezzling back in Paris or something, and that's why she like needed a job. That would see. That would have made sense. That would have actually like clarified just even that small detail. Why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a criminal. You literally one line. I was arrested. So now this is the only thing I can do because society does not allow criminals to integrate back in. <laughs> we have a punitive sense of restorative yeah. justice. 
like they knew she was an accomplice but couldn't pin her on anything. So she was basically like shunned and was like, yeah. you know what, I might as well go and uh, try this in another place. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's like his manager. Like, you know, she probably gives him like all the cocaine he wants. Yeah. And, <laughs> Keeps him happy and placated. Which would explain and, like, why he's like, you know what? Let's do this again. Fuck it. Yeah. Let's go, Christine. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, he just did a huge bump right before. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You just seem like, my Christine. <laughs> so. Just doing <laughs> Okay, so then um, uh, Christine and Madame Giri and Raul and Meg all have a big reunion and realize what's going on very quickly and are like, well, this is probably fine. Uh, Raul isn't happy about it, obviously, but they're like, you know what? Yeah, we we need the money. Let's just let's just make let's this just work. And get, let's get just get it over with. Fuck it. Um, Again, Vegas residency. It's just about like you, go, you take yeah. the money and run. You put the show on. It's yeah. just work. It's a year, it off, fifty million dollars, and you but move on. But because the Phantom cannot leave well enough alone, he's like, you know what? I'm just going to kidnap this kid anyway, even though everyone's doing what I ask. <laughs> so he takes the kid to his like basement hell wonderland, and there's just like a piano yeah. <laughs> chilling in his whatever the fuck this is, and the kid starts playing like Mary had a little lamb. And the Phantom's like, oh, he's a prodigy. And and he's 10 years old. 10 years old. Immediately takes he does credit. some quick math in his head. Yeah, immediately yeah. he's like, oh my God, he can play chopsticks? He must he be mine. mine. Never mind and, the yeah, fact that like his mother. Yeah, like musical talent's hereditary. Yeah. His mother is oh, like yeah. a world famous opera singer. <laughs> I actually got that moment on <laughs> camera. He's just ten years old. <laughs> That's where it really kind of starts to go off the rails into crazy town because that now it's time for the beauty underneath, which is. Oh. <laughs> A weird uh. song, uh, uh, most charitably, uh, a little yikes, because he yeah, keeps... Yeah, that's, that's a very charitable take Yeah, on song. it's like he keeps asking this kid about, like, do you ever have unnatural urges, and did you, you know, like... Yeah. <laughs> and then the kid's like, yes. Yes. Yes! Hunger <laughs> that you can't repress. Yes! Like, it's meant to be that, like, hard, cheesy rock of, like, the original where like it's supposed to be like a sexy seduction goofy campy song and like Christine's credenza is like yeah. orgasmic but instead of Christine it's <laughs> a 10 year old boy, it's a ten-year-old boy. <laughs> his son yeah yes. and it makes d- double ultra negative sense because like his whole thing is like I'm gonna show you my face and you're gonna be cool with it and it's just like this is just bad this is out of character yeah. like he wouldn't do that it doesn't make any sense like it's sort of like you're really self-conscious about like your rash like you're not gonna be like i'm gonna show you this and sing a song like yeah my like yeah. my defining character trait is how much i hate my eczema i'm not gonna show you my eczema yeah. like um, and he didn't even try to murder the kid like not once like not no. really that's why it's really <laughs> out of character really. he was thinking yeah he was thinking about it but once he realized that the kid was probably his because he played chopsticks yeah um <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> He's like, you know what? Now I'm just going to be father of the year. Yes. <laughs> Shows him all, all his freaks as you want to do. And this 10-year-old is like totally not 
perturbed by it. Like he's like, oh yeah, I love them. I love those long fingernails. I love that bearded lady. I love your mermaid. That set was cool. The weird underground basement, like fucking yeah. Illuminati obelisk, like cage. Yeah, yeah. Dancing fucking mermaids. <laughs> dancing <laughs> mermaids. It looked like like a dream theater. Yeah, like, yeah. Album cover. I mean. Or it looked like so Cirque du Soleil or something even. Yeah. And yet somehow, like the Phantom's rash is the worst thing <laughs> in, in in the in the obelisk of horrors. <laughs> so he pulls off his mask the kid runs away but again completely uncharacteristically he ain't even mad about right. it he's just like Christine why didn't you tell me and she's like you ghosted me and then yeah, you didn't up. pay any child support yeah. why, why would I <laughs> so he's like you know what that was honestly kind of my bad um, yeah. so you know what why don't you just go and when I die he'll get my inheritance uh, and she's like that sounds pretty sweet um, Good deal. And so, but then, but then, out of one of the obelisks, uh, the, Illumina- <laughs> the Illuminati obelisks, comes Madame Giri, who has overheard this conversation, oh, and she thought she was going to be the uh, the recipient of his largesse. But now the kid is no, not okay. She vows revenge. End of Act One. And, and there's no explanation about why did she think she was going to be the person to inherit it. She just assumed they never talked about right. it. You know how people do that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I know we've never discussed it, and you have no idea that this is a thing I wanted. But why haven't you figured this out yet? Yeah, I bet you he doesn't even know her name. Like honestly, <laughs> he's like, <laughs> who are you again? Yeah. Well, she's who, and then Meg Jerry is her. He's like her. <laughs> right. So then Act Two begins. By this point, the Phantom is apparently over that whole, you know, why don't you just take the money and run thing? Yeah. Because it starts with, like, this boozy saxophone solo <laughs> with, yeah. with Raul. One more. Oh, buddy, don't you think you had enough? It's practically morning already. One more, I said! All right. All right. He's at a bar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Raul is drunk at a bar. He has a song called Why yeah. Does She Love Me? Right. Where he's just like... Just a guy down on my luck, sitting in a bar, having a whiskey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then it turns out who the Phantom was the bartender, or he sw- switches places with the bartender. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he's he. they have a song called Devil Take the Hindmost, yeah. where they make a bet. Because, like, again... Despite the fact that literally the previous scene, the Phantom was like, uh, why don't you just take the money and run, Christine? Sorry about all this. The next scene, he's like, actually, let's make a bet. If she sings, then she belongs to me. But if she takes the money and runs like I told her she should, you guys can go. She walks. You leave together. Pockets full. Debt's paid. She sings. You leave alone. Which I kept referring to the, as the Aladdin scene where Jafar and Prince Ali and the Sultan are all talking about Jasmine and she comes in and she's like, <laughs> yeah. I am not surprised to be one. Yeah, like the whole first musical is about like Christine like realizing her agency and, you know, the Phantom realizing he's a dick and yeah, it's like, oh, why not do it again? It's like, I heard you like Phantoms in your Phantom, so we put more Phantom in your yeah. Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Andrew Lloyd Webber just realized that actually he hates yeah. women. So. Yes, very uh, much like, so. So he just like, fuck it, I'm just going to yeah. lean into that. Yeah. It is kind of astonishing how much nothing happens in Act yeah. 2. Um, <laughs> they make this bet. Then we have Meg's vaudeville number, Bathing Beauties, 
where she gets some great looks. Yeah. To her credit. Like, her dresses are great. And then she's upset because Daddy Phantom didn't come to my show. <laughs> please, please bear in mind by this point, the Phantom has had zero scenes with either Madame yeah. Jerry or Meg. The show is 75% done. So then um, <laughs> we cut to Christine's dressing room, and then Raul makes his pitch, don't sing. And she's like, but I already agreed to it. I'm already dressed up. And he's like, or you could not. Doesn't tell her why. <laughs> doesn't, doesn't explain this drunk bet he made, yeah. um, which would be impossible to like honor anyway if she doesn't want to, but whatever. It's such an easy thing, too. He could have just been like, yo, don't sing, and we'll get hell of money, and we can fucking leave. Just include her in it, and it's like, great, perfect. Yeah. Let's put, like fucking peace out. Me. That's all it took. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Shh. It's a secret. Okay, so then the Phantom comes and makes his pitch, which is do. Do sing. And he gives her like the big necklace. <laughs> yeah, gives her like this giant party city necklace, this, like <laughs> costume jewelry. And she's like, ooh, I dig it. And so she goes out on the stage and sings a song, so I guess Raul loses. And woo, big aria. And so then they meet up backstage and like have their big kiss. And this means they're together now, you guys. Right? Oh, no. Where's Gustav? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Where is he? And and immediately the Phantom's like, that bitch, Madame Jiri. So he like goes and finds her. And she's like, why the fuck would I steal your child? (laughs) That makes no sense. And it's like, you know what also makes no sense? The thing that happens, (laughs) which is... Smash cut basically to like the pier, the Coney Island pier, and there is Meg Jiri dragging Gustav like towards the edge of the pier, like it'll all be over soon, sweetie. And then, and then everybody like shows up, like whoa, whoa, come on, Meg, you're drunk. <laughs> they try to de-escalate it, and everyone is bad at de-escalation. <laughs> yeah, I, I just there's like has always been something patently hilarious to me about the idea of like this musical ending with. The Phantom of the Opera having to de-escalate a situation. <laughs> so, uh, they, he, like, tries to approach her, and then she, like, whips out this gun. Like, she's got a gun! She's got a gun! Look out! One of my favorite cliches in anything ever is just when someone just, like, dramatically, like, brandishes a gun. She's got a gun! She's got a gun! <laughs> And so she, like, is flaring at them, and then she points it at herself, and then, like, the Phantom is, like, trying to talk her down, like, he's trying to negotiate a, a, negotiate a hostage release, and she's, like, holding this kid over the pier yeah. while holding the gun to her head. And I'm, like, and screaming he- at the TV at this point, where I'm, <laughs> yeah. like, fucking shoot him in the face, like, just put us all out of our misery. That's a side note. <laughs> it was really funny, though. <laughs> Feed him the mouth. Do, yeah. do it. Just do it. Eat it. Eat it. End it. End it. You can just end it all. Yeah. End it. Well, that's not quite what happens because he he says to Meg, like, you know what? Nobody's perfect. We can't all be like Christine. And then she like loses her shit and just like flails the gun and accidentally shoots Christine yeah. in the bloodless stomach. Oh. <laughs> also, I didn't realize I was recording, uh, but like I did capture that moment on, on tape. No. Christine! Shoot him. No. Oh, no. Oh, does Christine get killed? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> 
then uh, she dies, and now the phantom and not Rebel not right away. Her. By the way, no, no, no. She starts yeah. bleeding, and then they are like they have to sing a fucking duet <laughs> about how she's how it's like tragic instead of helping her or like putting something on the wound to stop the bleeding or going to get help. Nothing. They're like, oops, yeah. sorry, guess you're fucking I know, dead. I know part of it's like because the uh, the blood was supposed to go off and it didn't apparently. Uh, oh. I don't buy that. Like this was not done in front of an audience. Yeah, I don't know, but like you can see her like tapping at her stomach, and it's just like they, they could have reshot that. I know. Like um, at five yeah. minutes later, after their duet, uh, they uh, she dies, and now the Phantom has a kid. Yeah. And he and Raul are having a My Two Dads situation, which I I love the possibilities of the ending. Yes, I agree. That would be a good one. Two and a half men. Exactly. It's literally two and a half men. He's the Charlie Sheen of the situation, I think, right? Oh, and then then it ends with Gustav tenderly touching his other dad in the face. Yeah, he's like, totally cool. Yeah, totally normal. Like, my mother is, like, her brows are yeah. loosening oh, as well. we speak. She's, <laughs> yeah. like, going into rigor mortis. But you know what matters right now? Your feelings. Your feelings. About your rash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's all about phantom. Your eczema anxiety yeah. is what's really the problem here. Assuming you had a good relationship with a parent, and uh, even if you didn't, like, had emotions feeling about them, if you saw them get shot in front of you, like, I feel like you would have a stronger reaction than, like, okay, hi, new dad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it is sort of that symptom of children being written badly, which is, like, one of the many things I love about Independence Day. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Children do not act like children. Uh, But, like, that is just, that's just, like, most things with children in it. Like, children are not characters, they're devices. And so they just need to, like, act in a way that is convenient for the real characters. Yeah, 100%. And then no one gets thrown off the bridge, right? And then they just cut yeah. to black. I thought somebody was going to get pushed. <laughs> Chekhov's, yeah, the gun isn't even Chekhov's Yeah, it's Chekhov's gun. bridge, just... and they didn't even use it. <laughs> Chekhov's drowning. Yeah. Like, none of these things are set up. Like, that isn't just, like, it's just such a poorly constructed piece of work. Like, even ignoring how ridiculous it is, just, like, the, the construction of the story is just quite bad. Not to give credit to it, but they do set up that Gustav wants to learn how to swim. Oh, shit. In the very beginning. <laughs> That's they right. They do. They're like, what would you like? They're like, with all the really bad Australians doing American accents, we're like, hey, uh, sorry, Jim, what do you want to do? <laughs> they don't pay it off. Nothing happens. Oh. It's like, I was going to say, do you remember those things we used to do as kids where you take a piece of paper and you'd fold it into thirds? Maybe this mm-hmm. is, a, and then at the top, somebody would draw the head. And then you pass it to your friend and they wouldn't be able to look at the head and then they draw the torso and then somebody would draw the legs and then you pull it out and it's like this weird contraption. That's what the three parts of this film, of this uh, musical were. An exquisite corpse, right? That's what that's called. It's an exquisite corpse, which sounds totally appropriate for this show. It is literally <laughs> erotic. Maybe, do you know, okay, so in the original London version, was Meg the bad guy? Buh, I think Manjiri was more of the bad person in this i gotta look it up actually um because i feel like meg wasn't originally yeah like it, it feels really obvious when you know like they clearly didn't know where they were the story was going and so you have like uh, is it is it madame jiri is it raul is it meg like who is the bad guy here who, who either way we're gonna have really clumsy red herrings I think it still is meg at the end i haven't looked it up but like the show in london originally opened like it does like the original one does with madame jiri like years into the future 
like remembering what happened. So I think she still Ah. has like that false. Yeah, yeah. It's like the whole thing is it's just you kind of had the central conceit and he never really developed the actual framework of it, which is that I want the Phantom and Christine back together. And this time they decide to they they they're going to end up together, which makes perfect sense. I, you know, you, you're really rooting, rooting for these crazy kids, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just wanted to see them succeed and grow. Just, yeah. yeah. Build a just, life I, together. I support their journey. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine their Instagram page? Oh, God. Eric, oh, just... my God. It reminds me of, like, uh, Hannibal the book, you know, the, um, the Thomas Harris book. Because, like, you know, in the movie. Oh, right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. She does not end up with Hannibal Lecter. Correct. But in the books, Clarice does end up like basically like his brainwashed slave. Because this is like a whole thing in Phantom fandom, like shipping, like Eric Christine. Like we just went down that Twitter <laughs> rabbit hole today about yeah. like aunties. It's like there were kind of aunties back then, but it was more just like a taste thing, you know? But like, to me, I'm just like, there is no way to make this work. And that is why the end of the first one is. A complete ending you can't really go anywhere from there and so just like even if you hate the first one it's just sort of like to undo the ending it's like the ending is what makes it memorable like it's like <laughs> yeah you don't need it because money well, yes, that's obvious. why <laughs> because relevance I, I feel like it, it had to have been a pride thing because like yeah. lloyd weber has just sunk so much money into this. I don't think he's even come close to earning it back. Like, there are much better ways for this man to make money. Like, School of Rock, money printing machine. Like, and that was around the same time he wrote School of Rock. I didn't um, realize he wrote School of Rock. Yeah, he wrote School of Rock. Oh, and holy it shit. At the winter- it starred uh, Alex Brightman, who we saw as Now Peter I know James. who that is, because I'm hip to the <laughs> yeah. drive. And um, it ran at the Winter Garden Theater for four years. Oh. Beetlejuice didn't even run for a year. <laughs> so R.I.P. Uh, Rest in power. <laughs> yeah. So why why love never dies? Why why does love never? I die? really I really do think it was just a pride thing. He just wanted to capture that. I mean, that's just like such a faulty. Like obviously, like Phantom is just one of those once in a century weird oddity successes. Like you can't, can't you can't repeat that. And like to try to make a sequel to it is just baffling he saw sarah brightman was having too good of a year and was just like yeah i'll show you (laughs) you don't die in this one yeah so this was the other thing that i was talking about with Lindsay before angie was that we were saying i was like if every piece of work is somewhat autobiographical like if you have one character (laughs) here or i'm like who is he is does he see himself as christine does he see himself as the phantom does he see himself as role like or does he see himself as all those characters that's what i was kind of curious about but it sounds like never dies yeah I, I feel like he still sees himself as like he he is the phantom. He has ascended. He's made all of his money, you know, he's made you know, changed the West End. But he can never have the love of Sarah Brayden. The love of his yeah. life. <laughs> so yeah. So she has to die. Yeah. That's so them's the rules. She has I don't to make die. Rules. Yeah. I, I just just who looks at this and goes like, mm, this is now that's what I call pathos. Like <laughs> Dying equals immediately sympathetic to a like incredibly bad eye because like there I think any character situation if handled correctly can work. I don't think it is, but it doesn't really make sense for Eric and Christine. Um, oh look, I'm I'm slipping into I'm, I'm letting my ship my yeah. slip show. I called him Eric. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
the Phantom. Not Mr. Um, y. Excuse not me. Mr. Y. Oh God, yeah. mystery is Mis- the worst. Mr. Like, why, God? Because, like, this is a, like uh, there's this fanfic that Angie and I have read, like, about 6,000 times. Um, that's, like, it's a novel-length Phantom of the Opera fanfic that, like, <laughs> is a, yeah, it's novel-length. And it's I've, I've probably read that fanfic more than I have read, like, any book. Yes. Yeah, like, professionally published book. All right. <laughs> like, okay. Um, and it's, like, we kind of became obsessed with it because it's, like, it t- kind of takes, like, an impossible situation, or, like, an impossible premise, which is, like, can this guy be redeemed and functional in a relationship? Not with Christine. Um, and makes it work. And I'm just, like, this is this is why I'm convinced that this person, it's called A Stroll on Sunday. Yeah. It's on fanfiction.net. It's, like, 10 years old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'm just, like, I'm convinced that this person, because uh, we've also been trying to, like, uncover the identity of this yeah. fanfic writer. they do not leave a paper trail. Yeah, and we're just, like, this is a professional writer, whoever wrote this. This is, like, someone who is, like, doing this on the side, like, doesn't want their identity known. My point is that, like, it can be done to make a situation where you, the reader, or in this case, the viewer, can root for this. But to me, I'm like, the most remarkable thing about this show is, like, the kiss after the peacock, you know, aria, Mm -hmm. where it's just, like, this big triumphant swell. And I'm just like, yeah, like, (laughs) like, I am in the life and I'm just cringing. And I, I don't know who this is for. Yeah. I actually think he should have ended up with Meg personally because Meg is totally like dramatic and crazy, which is what he (laughs) needs to offset him. Right. Because he's dramatic and crazy. So like there are two peas in a pod and she would she would have so much chaos that it would just it would get him out of his own head. I just had the worst thought under my Joker and Harley Quinn dynamic, like that mm-hmm. people love, like exactly for some yeah, reason. Yeah, yeah, because he's a fucking narcissist, like just straight up, like no, he's not sympathetic to me at all. He's just a fucking terrible, awful, disgusting. This is what I was screaming about that night. Was like, <laughs> he's this toxic, awful person. Another problem, and this is a problem you see in like series sequels, anything a lot, where it'll be. Like, even something like Men in Black, where, um, like, because we were watching that a couple weeks ago, and where it's like, you have this first installment, which is pretty self-contained and solid, Mm -hmm. and then you didn't plan it to be a A, series. So what they always, always end up doing is just doing the same fucking thing, just with a different dress on. And so this is exactly that. Um, And so it's like, while Love Never Dies, again... Like like Angie said, occupies a lot of free real estate in my head and in my heart. Um, I don't know. It's just like it's emblematic of every failed follow up. Sure. It's just you know, it just has the benefit of being also really funny. Yeah, because <laughs> I think that. the worst it could not. Ha- it's not as bad as it could have been because the worst thing it could have been is boring. <laughs> yeah. it is not that. Yeah, it's it's definitely entertaining. So when I saw it live. And the bombed out wine moms as they were leaving the theater. It was like, it was giving them, it gave them everything they want. It gave them like their Harlequin romance novel ending where they kiss, mm-hmm. but like they walk away from it so disappointed, like unable to articulate, like, why am I not like, that was beautiful and I want to see it again. Like that, those two yeah. wine moms walking out and one goes, so what'd you think? And the other one was like, I don't know, you know, <laughs> like it fundamentally misunderstands, I think, what most people find appealing about those characters, if they do find it at all or that dynamic, yeah. like... It's weird, like, how do you as an author 
be so unaware of the appeal of your own creation. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're successful, you know, like if you like, cause it seems like he thought that the appeal was, well, they kiss. <laughs> and it's just like, no, it's like, he's been famous and successful for too long. This is like him trying to give something back that no one wanted. Kind of like that. Those fucking U2 MP3s that kept showing up on people's iPhones a few years ago. And yeah. everyone was like belligerent <laughs> about it. That's what this yeah. is. Songs of Innocence. Yeah, whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. Everyone just getting belligerent. (laughs) Yeah. Making everyone mad. Like, who asked for this? Nobody wanted it. But you like songs and you like free stuff. (laughs) Take it. Yeah. What's the problem? Like, I think this is, like, the work that he can't ever let go of and walk away from. Like, Evita, Jesus Christ Superstar, like, fine, whatever. But, like, Phantom, he keeps returning to with, like, this insistence of, like, there's new meaning to be leaned out of it yeah. by me. And it's weird because, like, when you like you read his uh, autobiography, he hardly talks about it at all. Like, it's this weird thing he wants to avoid as a topic. So, like, because he spends, like, six chapters on Jesus Christ Superstar, mm-hmm. and he just skates through Phantom as quickly as he can. And I think, obviously, it's because he was in a relationship that was about to end very badly. And so it's like to have your most successful thing indelibly connected to this really painful period of your life. Of course, it's a little uncomfortable. Maybe that's why he wanted to revisit it with, you know, Love Never Dies. Ah. It's almost sort of like rewriting history, but it's just. Oh, that's interesting. Because so many people, when the original Phantom came out, did that projection immediately. They're like, oh, Angel Lloyd Webber's ugly, and he's obsessed with, you know, <laughs> hot young singer Sarah Brightman. And that, so, like, it, yeah, it's like a really painful period of his life that himself included, but everybody was projecting onto, like, oh, this is, like, him mapping out his own life in, in art very openly, and then, like, it ends badly, and he's got nothing else to do, and he's getting old, so he might as well write some self-insert fan yeah. fiction, I guess. It's like how I'm 32 now and I don't care about how people perceive me. I'm like, I'm just going to write about monster men fucking, you know. (laughs) We're the same person. Oh, yeah. Speaking of which. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Segue. So I have a book coming out the following Tuesday. You do? (gasps) Uh Uh-huh. What? Oh. Yeah. No, I was like, like, well, normally I wouldn't. (laughs) I would just be like, all right, right, everybody go buy a dress. Well, yeah, because I'm like, this is a discussion I'm going to have to have sooner or later because I have already seen, you know, just kind of keeping my ear to the ground. There are some people who have noticed that there is a character who makes a cameo oh. at the towards the end of the book <laughs> who is named Comet. He's a, he's a great character, probably. I haven't read it, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I, w- I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> Um, but I think we thought it was like an Easter egg and, um, (laughs) I've never been referred to as an Easter egg. That's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said. I I definitely did have some cameos from, you know, some of our YouTube colleagues, (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that. Um, I, I kind of was like one of these days or I'm going to have to have this like discussion. I don't know when, but it's not an Easter egg. It's, (laughs) it's set up for the second book, uh, which comes out next October. Because that's the thing. It's like the, the fictional cave who we will heretofore refer to as Kafake, just to... Kafake. 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 Is kind of the reason why this podcast exists at all. Oh. Oh. Yeah, because that was why we, we started hanging out again, remember? Yeah, because I was oh. like... Because uh, <laughs> I needed to yeah. just like, hey... <laughs> 
And you just be like, so, like texting you in the middle of the night, like, yeah. okay, so do you roll your R's in Farsi? <laughs> you were asking me these really specific questions, and I was like, I don't fucking yeah. have any idea. I don't know. What do you, what, what do, you call your grandma? Yeah. Like, like, oh. Can you tell me about you're treated at the airport? Yeah. <laughs> and then I texted for like 30 minutes, like screaming in text. Huh. No, I, I started taking like screenshots of like all of the like <laughs> dumb, hyper specific questions I have asked you over the months about the Persian American experience. And then and then somewhere that you were like, so you hate musicals, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it happened. Oh, why did that? No, it happened basically because you were hanging out. We were talking about place, cats. Yeah. And cats came. Yeah. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, that night, Sarah and I were driving down and it was late. Right. Because we had to go to we went to a screening. Yeah, you, and then you saw the Irishman. We saw the Irishman, and then we drove down afterwards. And usually, I was like, I don't fucking ever drive anywhere past like seven thirty p.m. Like, let alone mm-hmm. to go down to where you were, which was like an hour each way. And I was like, but you know, Lindsay is like insisted. I was like, I feel bad. Like, she's having people over, so we should go. And she was like, okay, we'll go. She's like, but we have to listen to the Oklahoma soundtrack on the drive down. <laughs> and I was like fuck fine and i was like i have to comply so then we listened to that all the way down so of course that started to enrage me and then we started talking about cats and then so that by the was time you got here you were you were already like primed the, yeah. the like just waiting for a spark to light and yeah monetizable rage <laughs> when you were sitting in the car hearing like oh Oklahoma where the wind comes yeah. did you think like it was going to get to love never dies like that, that, that <laughs> did you ever could you have ever conceived it would come to the never <laughs> never this was only about six seven months ago that's the yeah well it's, it's sort of like the because because this is like oh man because I'm already like you know starting to answer questions as an author I'm like oh god next year is gonna be mm. really tedious isn't it because it's just like, like where I'm just like this this decision that I made about five years ago when yeah. you and I weren't really talking. <laughs> I mean, we, weren't, we weren't like, you know, like enemies or yeah, we were just on different coasts. I'd see him like once every two years. Yeah. Um, it is, I guess it is kind of funny how those decisions can kind of like uh, indirectly lead to like who who was to the, who could have seen a year have, a yeah. year ago today we would be in the middle of a global pandemic talking about love never dies over <laughs> yeah. Zoom. Like, imagine the literary scholarship that's going to be done about axioms and like twenty oh, years yeah. in the future <laughs> where they're trying to parse between yeah. like your like, yeah like real what came cave first and yeah. then like fake. Yeah. Coffee. And like, I, I really hope that there's a podcast about this, like in the future. I, I will just say this now. It was a decision I made five years ago when I thought this book was not going to get published. Um, kind of stuck with it because I, 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 I asked you permission last summer, yeah. basically, because I didn't because you were not the only person from USC I named a character. <laughs> no, but, that, but that's also like, not uncommon. Like I do that all the time where you just you throw your friends names in as like a right. kind of as a way to entertain yourself almost as a way you're like, haha, it's funny to think about like this person is this character or like a shout out to a person like it's not. I, that's why I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like I wasn't weirded out by it at all. I just thought it was like an honor in a weird way. It was more that, like, for the other ones, they were smaller characters, and this one was a the like a basically a secondary protagonist and a point of view character, yeah. and other things that are like you know maybe because like and that was the other thing is like Kaveh's not a super common name here in no. the United States. Uh, my thought was everybody's gonna know. Like if I name a guy, <laughs> if I if I name a guy Vincent, people will be like, "Well, that's a name." Yeah. It's like Vincent was another person in our five forty seven yeah. who I named a character after in the first book. Um, but like, because that was my attitude was like everybody's gonna know, and so like, yeah, the the 
untangling the knots of what came, what decision was made when, uh, will be will be funny. But um, by the way, is th- th- this is not the first time that's happened. Uh, I have I, one of my best friends is a screenwriter, and he wrote a screenplay like years ago, like when he was first out of school. And he named one of the characters in his screenplay, like it was supposed to be like a coward character. And he named him literally <laughs> Kavitarian in the story. Oh, no. <laughs> Just sort of us like a joke. And he was like, yeah, I'm sitting there with these studio executives. And they're like, we think Kavitarian's like too much of a coward in this. And he needs to have like a little <laughs> bit more of a backbone. <laughs> Brand on yeah. brand. <laughs> yeah. and he's just like laughing. He's just like, yeah. He's like, it's the only thing that got me through this meeting is like hearing oh them God. making fun of you, yeah, having no idea. Hearing Paul covet to Harry and just like a spineless jellyfish, just like look at this guy. <laughs> I think it's sweet and touching that you asked for permission to use Kave's yeah. name. Meanwhile, you have a three chapter long segment in Axiom Zen about a woman named Angelina taking a massive Ooh. sweaty dump, <laughs> and I. I've not, <laughs> not heard a single question not about permission. It was just like, Angelina well, Christina Mian was taking a big shit. <laughs> okay, for one thing, that's art. And you don't need permission that's for That's based art. on the truth. <laughs> I just it's, like, it's not fiction if it's if it's happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. How that's many sweaty dumps have I walked in on? This is just this is just reality. How many roads must a man walk down? <laughs> how, many, how, many how, many, how many sweaty dumps? I, I'm only mentioning this now because this was something I kind of tortured over at at point one. Um, you know, this was like nine months ago, so I didn't know how it was going to go marketing wise. But it was just like at the time I was like, this could, you know, be a New York Times bestseller. It could be a pretty big deal. And at the time we were recording this and at the time it's released, I still don't know. I just know that they've kind of been putting more and more money behind it. The first one anyway. Um, and then they bought the second one. But like I kind of I had to make the choice about putting this character's name in stone last October. Yeah. Um, and then the podcast idea came up in January, the following January. And so that was sort of like... Womp. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Womp. So it was, I kind of, it was like, I can force them to change it during copy edits, or I could not do the podcast... This Both is, of which this is typical like of me. Kind, this is kind typical. Of absurd. Kava just makes everything inconvenient for everybody and makes yeah. every decision harder. Yeah. I understand. And that's the thing: you have nothing to do with this at <laughs> yeah. all, like creatively, like especially because, like, it's like I cannot stress this enough. This fictional character is not based on. Kavi Teherian. Like, he's named after him, but like the... the I'm actually the basis for Angie's else. character of the one yeah. 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 Ironically, the three yeah. <laughs> See, that's, why I did. that's why I thought it was obvious. I didn't need to ask yeah. permission. Oh, I see. I see. You just use my name and... Comment. Yeah, just use your name yeah. for... A th- for for his bowel problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, we should really talk. It sounds like we have the same problem. Yeah. I, <laughs> and, and on sweet, sweaty dumps, that's a good note, I think, for us to end on. What do you guys think? Yeah, we will be back next week for the uh, smooth, easy, non-controversial, <laughs> dulcet tones of Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm looking forward to that one. That's probably the only musical I actually wanted to see out of all of these. Yeah, like I was sitting here wondering, I'm like, when's Kava actually going to get to see like a good musical? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we saw Hades Town. That was Hades, like a yeah, quote right. unquote yeah. good saw one. Beetlejuice. Yeah. Beetlejuice saw Beetlejuice. Saw Beetlejuice. I enjoyed. Yeah. yeah. Hamilton's yeah. like a whole other thing, though. It's not even a musical. It's like a it's moment. An experience. Almost. Yeah, it's like a moment. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a discourse. It was nice to just kind of like be fun and fancy free and not have yeah. to watch what we say. <laughs> Yes. 
Uh, thank you, Angie, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for it having me. It was lovely me. to have you. I love being on this. It's so much fun. I'm very sorry about not asking permission for the sweaty dump. That's okay. <laughs> uh, okay, so if you guys want to follow our shenanigans, we are at Musical Splainin with no G on Twitter, at Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. I am at Kavitarian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Ange. Uh, yeah, I am Y Angelina Y on Twitter. If me talking about my turds wasn't enough to make you <laughs> just like stampeding to that follow button. Yeah. <laughs> just Y Angelina Y. Like if that came out of your mouth naturally, well, that's my Twitter handle. Um, so yeah, you can follow me there, and I co-write and co-edit Lindsay stuff. So you can see my genius there too. <laughs> and uh, I'm at the Lindsay Ellis on Twitter. Uh, name brand Lindsay on uh, Instagram. And I have a book coming out next week. It's Woo! called Axiom's End. Woo! It's got aliens in it. If that appeals to you, Massive dumps. please buy it. Massive um, dumps. If it does not appeal to you, then don't. And yeah. most importantly, it's got a character <laughs> named Kava in it, which means you should immediately buy it. Yeah. It, he, he shows up at the very end yeah. and is you, mentioned. <laughs> you have me at Kava. Yeah. <laughs> gets get, there's a character named Kave that is casually mentioned around page three. Fantastic. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening, you guys. We'll be back in hopefully two weeks, and we'll have yeah. reviewed Hamilton. Enjoy. Bullied us into it. <laughs> have right. a good. Yeah. See you at the Disney Plus. <laughs> see you at the Disney Plus. See you at the Zoom call. See you, cool kids at the Disney Plus. <laughs>